Charles Tenet, something, the La Mer, the mm-hmm. French version, which is also really great. I enjoy it a lot, too. It was nice. Mm-hmm. I, I never heard that. But I feel like, and I didn't realize that Beyond the Sea was like a remake, like English version of that. So that was, mm-hmm. I learned a little something new. I hadn't heard that French version. I didn't realize that was the original. It was, it was lovely. But as soon as I heard it, I was like, hey, <laughs> I think <laughs> I've heard that tune somewhere before. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was such a lovely song. And uh, such a so the French uh, one was deeply, the original, and then I I think so. I I, I might I'm I don't know. I, I didn't look into wrong. it. I don't know. <laughs> I remember seeing something, uh, reading something as I was reading up, uh, you know, looking at some news things for this episode, and I, I I could be wrong, but I I thought it said that the French version was the original. I could be wrong though. I will totally own that. Um, feel free to correct me, but I thought it was lovely. And uh, I feel like they have such a habit of throwing these lovely songs in some of these, like, deeply dark, twisted episodes. So I think that's definitely what they did here. A, a quick Google. Uh, just as I, Again, it's, not, it's, it's the quickest Wikipedia answer. Uh, the first recording of Beyond the Sea was Harry James, December 1947. First recording of La Mer was Roland Garbeau in 1945. So the French ver- a French version was recorded two years before the, orig- the first. But as far as when it, which was originally written or something, I don't, I don't know. I'm not I, digging that far. We don't have that time. But- yeah, we're, not, we're not taking that deep of a dive yeah. this week. But thank you. Thank you for, for that information. I was, not, I was not willing to do that while, um, while we were just talking about that. So I appreciate that. <laughs> But yes, uh, as you were saying. Uh. <laughs> so, so this week's episode. Wow. Um, general thoughts, Paik. Um, I don't remember if I said this to you uh, on recording or after we were done recording last week. Because we were talking about, you know, people's reaction to this season and kind of the Black Mirror-iness and how Black Mirror these episodes are or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think I told you, I was like, well, I can tell you for certain that when we get to next week, which is now this episode three, I was like, it's definitely the most classic Black Mirror kind of vibe. And yeah, it's definitely that, like the kind of imaginative technology that doesn't exist right now that it just kind of makes you think like, oh, what are the implications of that? What could it be used? And then you see the absolute like worst outcome possible with that kind of thing. And they leave you caring about these characters you get this like connection and these heartwarming scenes only for it all to be ripped away from you in the most depressing ending possible you know just black mirror (laughs) yay yay thank you charlie burger Mm -hmm. Um, i i i agree i thought i had 
you know, okay, this is how it's going to go, right? In my head, like I was like, this is how it's going to play out or this is what's going to happen or I can see something bad's going to happen. I did not expect that ending for (laughs) sure. Uh, So they really got me with that ending and, and the twist. And I mean, and then, you know, just talking about the acting, you know, I mean, that that was great. Mm-hmm. too so many such great cinematography really great acting all around from everyone and a very impactful episode yeah for sure really got really got you thinking i think it's it's up there it's i i really do like it as an episode just for being very black mirror like i feel like this belongs on a list of those like other episodes that when you say like oh black mirror as a whole you think of those like oh yeah that episode and that episode and that you know yes this i feel is is gonna be on that list of like top episodes for a lot of people i agree i i think any fan of black mirror you know and i'm sure there's commonalities between all of us like all of us will probably have some of the, the the our favorites right and then there's you know maybe some differences but you know many fans of the show definitely have a a list of like their top ones that really moved them in some way, made an impact in some way or something, you know? Um, and, and I do as well. This is, I think this episode is definitely going on that list for me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as a, one of my favorites, but also just one that really hit me. You know, there's a few that really just like a gut punch and, um, really, I th- I think for me it, it wasn't predictable. I did not see that particular. And I knew something bad was going to happen. Didn't know that that was going to happen. So um, I I enjoyed that it was able to uh, kind of get that reaction yeah. from me. So it's definitely going to go on my list. This mm-hmm. one was quite enjoyable. Yeah, they don't have to make you feel so happy and great to be a good episode. Because you know, again, I won't spoil things for. I know there are listeners who are just jumping in on these episodes with us, but. We've mentioned White Christmas as my favorite episode, and it's kind of similar. It's like there's a lot of really interesting characters, there's buildups, and you kind of get these like connections. And then in the end, you're just kind of left with despair in certain ways, you know? Like it's yeah. different. It's very different than this one was in the way that they do it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's one of my favorites too. Very good. Very good one. John Hamm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. All right. Well, with that being said, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say. This one was a little bit of a longer episode than what we've had so far. Um, And I think, you know, needed to be based on uh, what happened and with these characters and what we learned. So I I'm really excited to hear, you know, what your points are. So what's what's the first thing you want to talk about tonight? All right. Um, I have so many points. (laughs) That's good. That are like smaller ones. So I was like, let me take like the top, like the top four. That would be my number five, my like first one. Okay. And then it's going to be choose your own adventure. And the other ones can become like, uh, you know, extra notes. Or if you have them as points, then I won't. So you can make this choice based on what you want to talk about. It's like, if you have it as a point, then don't pick that because we'll come back around to it. So the quick points, uh, either casting. Thoughts about Cliff and Lana. Uh, Kappa and that whole scene <laughs> or do we go ahead and talk about the twist and the ending uh, <laughs> let's let's start with casting that's going to be my choice alright yeah it's, it's a quick one I just want to talk about some of my favorite casting in this episode of course is the main main ones uh, 
because it's horribly depressing and uncomfortable this episode really can be mm-hmm. josh hartnett and aaron paul absolutely crushed it just amazing performances to see them portray this this round of like empathy and grief and despair and friendship and hatred and anger and trauma and everything in this hour and 20 minute arc to see where they just play all of it and and so well especially some extra ups to aaron paul for having an entire level of the show that he is portraying the character of david in cliff's body which is really interesting and you see just the subtle like body language and things that are different to where you differentiate which character is being played by Aaron Paul in that moment. And Mm -hmm. I've always loved Aaron Paul since Jesse Pinkman came to us. So, uh, (laughs) yes, just to see his growth in all of the things he's done since then, he's gone out and done some like action movies and things like that. And then he's really dove into this drama and things like that. I think of, uh, I thought it was weird casting when he, showed up in Westworld and then to see the character of Caleb and the things he did in Westworld. I was like, Oh no, this guy is incredible. Got it. <laughs> you know? And so it just made sense seeing him in this episode. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's going to nail it from the time the trailer popped up. I'm like, yeah, he's got this. He <laughs> black mirror over there and Paul. Perfect. Uh, also I do want to give a lot of love to Kate Mara for her performance as Lana as well, because there's also a lot of emotion and conflict and things that go into her character that I thought she portrayed very well, again, in subtle body language and face acting and things like that too, that I, I just, I love watching those little subtleties and seeing how actors can portray an entire, you know, field of emotions and thoughts without saying a single word, which is really cool. She did a great job. And then lastly, Kappa just as a just him <laughs> appearing, but Rory Culkin <coughs> nails this super creepy cult leader guy to a T. Like when he showed up, you immediately know, oh, he's pure evil. Like he hasn't even said a word yet, and you're like, I know exactly where what where this character is coming from. I know who this character is. And I know, is it does it feel like an insult to say that he's perfectly natural at that role? <laughs> like he he does it really well. I think I haven't seen everything that he's done, but I've heard a, a little chatter about some of his other roles. They're yeah. all very or some have been very similar. So he, he does I play guess he's that really good in a lot that. of different ways. And so everything mm-hmm. I've seen Rory Culkin in, he's kind of got that vibe, not everything, but a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm sure he's a great guy if his brothers are any any indication, because like Macaulay and Kieran, I love both of them dearly as actors, too. Absolutely. And and so I'm sure if there are any indication, he he's probably just as great of a person, but uh, but he fits this character so well, you know. It's it's always the nicest. He's found a good niche. Yeah. yeah, it's always the nicest people that pull off the most creepy, uh, disturbing type characters. Right. Um, yeah, I'm sure he's a very nice person in, in real life. Yeah. But yeah, so that's it's a quick point, but yeah, I just wanted to point out some of the like top notch, just like casting and acting chops in this episode uh, it was it was great i i could not agree more I, you know when i saw the actors that they announced for the season of black mirror uh like you uh, i was very excited to see aaron paul i didn't care like what i mean we know we're dealing with black mirror we can kind of guess as to some of the content right yeah. but 
you know, no matter the character that he was going to play, I was very much looking forward to it because I, like you, been a fan for a very long time since he uh, came across my screen as Jesse Pinkman in Breaking Bad. Huge, huge fan. Um, absolutely wonderful in that role. And yeah, I, I agree. He really nailed it in this episode as well. Having to play Cliff and then David in Cliff's body, like you said, was really cool to see that this like the change in his voice, his cadence of speaking, his mannerisms, uh, their difference in personalities. It's like you didn't even really need to like hear um, for sure, like, oh, is that David or is that Cliff? You just kind of knew, mm-hmm. um, you know, just based on how well he was portraying, you know, that that character uh, in, in Cliff's uh, replica. So uh, outstanding job by Aaron Paul, for sure. It, that dude needs another Emmy, <laughs> uh, for sure. He's he's won multiple awards already for for playing Jesse Pinkman, of course. And um, so he definitely just knocked it out of the park uh, for me. And on a side note, I is as great as what he was in this role, I just kind of also need to see Aaron Paul. Like, I need something good to happen f- to one of his characters. Right. <laughs> can I, can uh. I'm not going to go into I'm not going to say anything further for anyone who's not seen any, him in any of his other roles or if you've not seen Breaking Bad. Um, but it's like, I, I really would love to see him be in, uh, I don't know, romantic comedy or, you know, a comedic right. type role. Because I think he'd be really great at comedy. Just give um, him a sitcom where he's the dad for yes, a couple a seasons. Like. Thanks. Yeah. That'd be great, too. Uh. Just something a, something a little different, please. Um, and Josh Hartnett, it was really great to see him. I haven't seen him in some time. You know, he, he was really a, a rising star you know, a while back. And, and I, I thought I had read that he just didn't love fame or where it was taking him. I didn't get into too much detail, but that's just a little bit of what I kind of glazed over. So it was really great to see him. I haven't seen him uh, in anything lately. So it was a nice yeah. surprise to see him in this as well. I think, I think he was really brilliant um, as David. Kate Mara was great as well. So I agree with you. Um, acting was phenomenal, and I think this episode's yep. really going to stand out. I mean, they're, they're always really great casting and great performances in Black Mirror. They do a really great job, you know, with their casting choices for the characters. But, I mean, wow. This one was definitely exceeded. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. So, my turn? Yes. All right. Well, I want to stay on because. I know we're going to go into some dark places with this episode. So for now, I'm going to keep it, you know, somewhat more on the positive side. Um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, questions I have about, you know, this episode and things that happen and, um, you know, some of the really cool things um, in this episode. I One of the things I really enjoyed was their experience in in the replicas um specifically cliff i think it was interesting how they kind of gave this suggestion that he seemed to be uncomfortable with his android body um 
Did you catch that whenever it was, I think, right at the beginning when he's swinging the axe and chopping the wood mm-hmm. and he tells his son, uh, you know, he's kind of flexing his hand. He's like, I'm still getting used to the used to the grip, yeah. you know. Um, so I, I think it was interesting that, you know, they're still trying to get used to that. It, it doesn't. And I even watching it the second time, I didn't pick up on it. So if they if they said it somewhere, I don't know. I know that they said that they've been in space. It sounds like two years or a little over two years, yeah. almost three. I wonder how long they've had those replicas. Like, are they new or have they had them the entire time? I don't know. It was, yeah, they don't it, really say like if it was immediately like, you know, they they launched off. And then as soon as they got like into orbit, they were just like. All right, and we're back, you know, or, or right, it was something right. that still took some time to establish. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's not important. These things are not important to the plot or to the story. It's just oh, more yeah, like I still have no idea what their mission is. I don't even know what they're it, doing in that, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> thank you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that's also one of my one of my questions that I was really curious yeah. about, because what what was the mission about? We learned that it, it, it's a two man mission. And they both need to be there. If something happened to one of them, well, the other one's pretty much doomed, right? Mm-hmm. So what what was this mission about? Why six years? Why was it going to take six years to complete the mission? Where were they going? What was the destination when they were, um, Aaron Paul was, or Cliff was, they were doing like their weekly check-ins or, you know, what have you. And he's like, uh, distance to destination or something like that. I don't understand what that measurement was, but I was yeah. like, oh, where are you going? There was nothing on, on like this map or anything to indicate about where they were even going and yeah, what it was fully about and why it was going to take six years. So I, again, so not really important to the story or anything yeah. about what really happened, but just for my own curiosity. Yeah, the only clues we really got were like it kind of made me think of uh, what is it, The Martian? Because yeah. they had like mm-hmm. like plant life and like soil, and they were testing like how it was like the oxygen and soil levels and how everything was like like almost like they were trying to find like a sustainability in a different place mm-hmm. where they would be able to grow crops and like sustain things. That's the only clue that we got because they were working with like plants and and crops and stuff. But like that's we just got a little bit of that. There's like a little greenhouse in the shit, and like that's all we saw. Right, and and the only other little clue, which again didn't go into a lot of detail, was when uh, David was at the movie theater with his family, and he's the the two like teenagers came up to him and were like, "Oh my gosh, is that really you?" And you know, wanted to like touch his replica skin and things like mm-hmm. that and they were super curious and he started to kind of talk a little bit about it a little and he mentioned something about the effects of space or the effects of this travel on like a human body or something mm-hmm. so that that was really kind of all we we got there but i thought okay yeah. well that's that's a little something but still what what was it really about um i was wondering it seemed like just from what we saw, and of course we only got this little window, right, of their time together. They've been in space for a little over two years. But I was curious, like, and I don't know if you got this impression, did it seem like that David and Cliff didn't spend that much time together when they actually were there together in their ship? Or I don't know, it almost looked like a very small version of like the space station or something is almost like yeah. what it kind of looked like. But they almost seemed 
like more acquaintances and casual, not really like friends. Yeah. It's like, see you whenever the next thing needs to be worked on. Like, it's very much a work relationship where it's like, because when they go back to their pods to go to their replicas, whatever, it's like going home from work. So it's like, I see you when we work together, we have to do these things. And then, all right, have a good weekend. See you Friday. Like, it, or, you know, it's. <laughs> yeah, it was very, uh, you know, unless they got called back for, um, you know, oh, debris hit and this mm -hmm. needs to be repaired or, you know, some alarm is going off or something. Um, and they're there for their physicals. They have to do their physicals on friday sounds like that's about an yeah. hour or so and then i'm sure they have these routines of checking in um you know punching in their coordinates or making sure they're on the right path or you know just all the things that, that you have to do to like maintain this the ship or this the space station um but they didn't really like spend a whole lot of time it i got the impression could be completely yeah. wrong but like, I'm like, are y'all not, I'm like, y'all spending six years together. Are you really just spending all of your time, you know, on earth? You know, Probably on, as much you as know, they in can. That's, and I get it because I think it's kind of cool. It's right? a good perk like, of the, of the, you know, mission and everything is yeah. like you do the things that you have to do, but you also get to like, you get paid to basically just live your life at home with your family as much as you possibly can. Right. Well, and it's a cool idea because if you're going to have to spend six years in space, that's a long time to be away from your families yeah. and to be so isolated. Um, because I, I feel like a big part and theme of this episode is about connection, right? Connection mm -hmm. and human connection. And they don't seem to really have any yeah. at all other than just this like business work relationship oh we've got to do these things we've got to check all these things off the list we've got to do our physicals we've got to maintain the ship but other than that bye see ya i'm like man six years is a long time to be in space as someone that the fact that they don't you know really know seem to know each other that yeah. well or spend time together was just i was like wow it just not yeah. what i expected i guess it seems cliff had no idea that david was an artist like that until he sees the drawing of the house and then he's like oh, wait yeah. you did this so, i mean it took two years for him to learn oh you draw so <laughs> yeah good point good point and did you wonder why maybe they didn't send the replicas to space instead of like having uh, having them on Earth and having yeah, the replicas you like, in space instead? Like clock in or, you know, zo log in to your replica while you're at home and then you're up there to do your work. And then that and way if something bad things. does happen, then it's like, oh, replicas lost, not people. That is a good thought. I never had that. <laughs> yeah, I wondered. I was like, might have saved this <laughs> all this trouble. I don't know of, of everything that happened. But I mean, if if you're able to link out all the way and i have no idea how far away they are but i'm assuming six years i mean you're you're, you're probably out there um mm -hmm. far enough away so but you're still able to link back to a replica on earth that's strong enough to happen right you're not too far away for that to happen close enough that they're able to even broadcast that uh david's family's funeral yeah um why can't you just have the replicas up there and link up to, I guess we wouldn't have a story, I guess. To right. <laughs> <laughs> then all of the Black Mirror drama wouldn't have happened, but yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop talking because I'm ruining all the fun <laughs> and all the <laughs> making uh, the show the show. So that's that's all I'm going to say about that. Just some, you know, just some uh, questions I had as I'm watching and, you know, some like I thought interesting things 
questions I had that don't really matter, but just more curiosity, because I'm just curious, does anyone else have questions like that? You know, I just, I'm always just wanting to know more. I don't know, but I, Maybe and it doesn't. Maybe replicas need like uh, software updates. And so got to have somebody on earth who knows how to do that. They can't do it themselves up there. <laughs> got to do the, got to be uh, hard linked, yeah. hardwired to the source and not wireless updates. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know. It doesn't, and it doesn't take anything away at all. Like right. I said, all, all those questions really are just more of my curiosity. It does not, for me, take anything away from how outstanding of an episode it is. I don't feel like anything was missing by that, but I was just, I don't know. I was like, oh gosh, so many questions. Didn't know if anyone else felt the same way. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's move on to your next point. All right. Um, Man, it was I. I said I had so many points, but they're all relatively short. Just because that's okay. This whole episode, I mean, is one story. It's again, Black Mirror is mm-hmm. like hard to. I can get points out of it, but it's like everything's kind of revolving around the main one thing. But I wanted to talk about David and Lana a little bit. Okay. Uh, oh boy. And those, you know, as you know, I've got a separate point. We'll talk about more about the the link him borrowing Cliff's link and using that. But just what it leads to eventually is as he's taking this time, he's going there, he's working on the paintings, he's getting some human connection other than Cliff, which it seems like what we talked about, he doesn't get a whole lot of anyway. And just this fresh air, but you see him feeling this connection to Lana and you see him like reading too much into it and it going too far, even before Lana realizes what's happening. And sadly it does feel inevitable once you see the signs, those first signs where he's teaching her to paint and then he starts drawing her and this snowball just builds and you can kind of watch it happening there as an audience member going, no, 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 don't, don't ruin a good thing. But you Mm -hmm. just see with the trauma he's been through and the connections he's lost that once you see the signs, like I said, it just starts feeling inevitable. And there's also just this super awkward moment when they go into town together for supplies for David and he takes Lana to the bookstore which is again one of those little snowball effects you're seeing you know they're both readers and he's like oh I just I'll give you some recommendations but it you see the underlying like he's treating it almost as like a date kind of thing it was like oh you should read this and like there's more of a like familiar connection going on between them than what she thinks it is I think and uh mm-hmm. then there's like I said the awkward moment of that is the lady at the bookstore recognizing cliff and david's having to pretend to be cliff so then again there's aaron paul is he's portraying the character of david pretending to be the character of cliff who is david in cliff's body and there's layers to it there's Um, so many layers (laughs) uh but then when she starts asking about david's family and that situation and he has to have that conversation talking about himself from a third person you know how is he doing and oh he's holding up but you can and lana takes that moment to we we should go because she can tell like this is not a good situation for him he doesn't need to be talking about his family situation from the outside to a stranger and you can Mm -hmm. see that it affects him pretty hard when they get back to the car uh and so it's like you know her putting her hand on his shoulder and it gets those little gestures that are innocent but with david he starts reading into it the wrong way and then he adds lana to the painting of the house not 
Lana, Cliff, and Henry, just Lana. And that's that's a sign. And then there's the dance to La Mer, including his signature David Ross grope. Uh, <laughs> yes. He, he has a, a he has a signature move, I noticed, because he does the same thing with Jessica, his wife, at the uh, early in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Lana does roll with um, a little longer than she should. Uh, but again, you know, we learn a little bit of her relationship with Cliff and the things that David picks up. Because that's where, in that moment, David realizes the, like, sexual relationship between Lana and Cliff isn't really great right now. For one reason or another, it could be their own marital marital issues. It could be because, like you said, he's not f- comfortable in this replica body. And maybe he feels... Because we know that Cliff is a very religious person in his own right. And there's... Maybe he just has these weird thoughts about, it's not really me, so do I get intimate with my wife if it's a different body? And who knows? Again, they don't... St- they don't talk about those things in the episode, really, but there could be any multitude of reasons. But David realizes that, and he takes that, and he runs with it, and crosses several lines that he shouldn't. He's telling Lana things like, oh, you want this, you know you want this, and you know he doesn't have to know, we don't have to tell Cliff. And especially when he says the line where he says, that man is no match for you, and once he starts trying mm. to put himself in the place of Cliff and saying, but I'm better for you, and you actually don't. You're not good, you know, he's not good for you, and I'm the better man than, you know, you want this anyway. That's where things really take a bad turn for this episode, and that's where that relationship pretty much is over. Um, Is Lana is loyal. Like, yeah, she has her issues that do get addressed, and they they talk about those things, her and Cliff, but, but it's not David's place, and he crosses those lines, and then he just continues to, uh, start doing the the you know <laughs> distance jumping olympic level on all the lines as far as the episode goes after that he just keeps that going yes he does um yeah i it was hard to to watch because i feel one thing you know, because I, I was wondering, gosh, this episode's an hour and 20 minutes. Wonder what they've got to say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, versus some of the other episodes that are um, a lot shorter. But I, I think it was necessary in order to get to know David, get to know Cliff, because it makes the ending a lot more tragic, if, if you can even imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if we hadn't spent the time with them that we did, it, it wouldn't have made such an impact. Yeah, And I... Th- up until that point, like getting to know David, uh, up until that point where he is really pushing Lana after, like she realizes she start, she was about ready to cross a line too. Yeah. You know, like you said. And when she's like telling him no, like that, trying to keep her distance and and he keeps pushing and keeps insisting despite her um, saying no. That's when I was losing sympathy for David. Yeah. Um, it was it was hard to still see him as a likable character, flawed for sure. But I was like, now that's that's definitely crossing a line that's that's hard to come back from. And of course, it just spiraled from there at yeah. that point. But that but definitely that scene there in the kitchen definitely was. I was like, uh oh, starting to see a really bad side. Yeah, <laughs> to, to David. <laughs> There is a definite turn there when mm-hmm. when that happens. 
Yeah, I agree. Oh boy. Um, well, I know that you had um, the cultists on on your list, so let's let's talk about them because right. I'm really curious what you think. Um, we didn't get to see them that much, and I don't know if it was important to 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 see any anything else about them or if they were more of a tool to be used to you know impact David and his story and you know moving moving it forward where where we ended up but i i, I what i gathered is that they were a, a group of like absolutists that didn't think that the use of replicas yeah. in the like thinking it, technology was yeah. like it was a natural, I guess. Yeah. Like it almost them. felt like a religious cult, but like there was no religion to it. It was more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, like, cause Cliff calls them, I think like a hippie cult and because it's kind of like, they're very like the natural order of the universe kind of thing where it was, you know, this, <laughs> these replicas are not from nature. They're not a natural thing. But, like, how far do you go with that? Because, like, all technology is kind of man-made in some way, right? Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah, it was, you know. And, and I got, I don't know if you did or not, but I got Manson family vibes from, yeah, sure. <laughs> from this a little bit. And this, I, I don't think that they got explicit in the year, but the, the story does take place sometime in the, six, in the 60s, right? So, mm -hmm. appropriate, you know, that they they i don't know if it was taken exactly from that but you kind of you know maybe inspired from you know that you know from that time and you know with what happened uh to to Sharon Tate and all of her friends that yeah um from you know the Manson family um in 1969 um but i definitely got those vibes and uh you know like you said you know Rory Culkin he uh he knew how to play off that that creepy mm -hmm. he he played that really well um so it sounds like that their intent to i guess kill if if it if he could be killed um david's replica and then of course it, and i'm like okay if you know if you if you disabled or you know killed his replica as a punishment well david's still alive Right. Like he's he's up in space. He's he's actually fine. But then they decided to take out their family, too. Mm -hmm. And I don't I don't know if their intent in doing that, like cre like performing this unspeakable act. I mean, the wife and children, I mean, no, nobody did anything wrong. Uh, n none of them deserved that. But like to add to it you know murdering the wife and children you know it seemed like that was intended in order to make sure that this got in the paper so they could kind of spread their message i guess yeah. of their cult uh, i don't know what, what what did you think about that, that? was yeah uh it's it was a rough scene to watch again it was, uh, yeah yeah um but yeah it's just like this unnatural affront to nature is the way that they view the replica program and what david's doing and so yeah they, they destroy him but I, I i view what they do to his family is kind of is punishment you know he kappa says to them that it's 
you know, because they're living in, you know, he doesn't use the term sin, but it's kind of that, you know, if you want to interchange that. But, you know, mm-hmm. he says, you know, that you're, you're living and sharing a bed in a home with this abomination, and it makes you complicit in the things that are going on. And so I think that's the punishment that he put on them. But it was making David watch through his replica oh as that gosh. happens mm-hmm. before setting it on fire and destroying it is yeah there's a it's a level of punishment because it's like okay yeah we could destroy your replica and leave your family alone but then when your mission is done then you you know then you'll come back home and you'll you'll see them again you you'll mm-hmm. miss that time with them but you'll come back but if you know there's nothing here for you to come back to then there's your punishment that's what you get to deal with because of what you've done that's a that's a good point yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was all really hard to watch and devastating. Uh, I really did not expect them to also punish the wife and children. Uh, very hard to watch. And then, I mean, they might as well had, had like killed David in that moment. That, right. I think any version of himself that he was before that died in that moment. I, I can't imagine having to witness something like that. Um, and definitely, kind of shows like the path that he's going to go down yeah and how he got there so oi yeah that was tough and then there was really no mention of them after i mean there was uh in the paper when cliff was getting the paper and they had them in the uh, paper for the funerals and there was also a blurb um about uh the cultists but then there was really not a lot of mention after them so i don't know i don't know if it if that worked, like they thought they were getting whatever message they thought, thought that they had to spread, that it, you know, really um, accomplished that or not. They did make the news, but did it really go any further than that? I don't know. I don't, I'll it, say it worked on me thinking that it might go further than that. Because even though, because yeah, Cliff says that they turned themselves in. Mm-hmm. And so that they weren't there anymore. But he says, oh, yeah, like the, the program offered, you know, the government offered to give us security detail if we want it but we're far away from where it happened and they turned themselves in so they they opt out of that but then it did leave this like fear on my first watch of this episode over most of the rest of the episode thinking maybe that they that did work maybe there are other followers of kappa maybe there are people that will pick up that Mm -hmm. cause and find cliff and hunt him down even when when David and Lana are out in town and people are recognizing oh you're cliff stanfield you live at this house and you do that I'm wondering, like, oh, no, are more people going to come after them? Are they Like, it, it stays in your head. So I think it worked on me that I kept waiting for more to happen with the cults. It, it didn't, but it kind of left. It's, this, this episode subverts expectations in a lot of ways, too. It makes you think one thing could happen, and then they go a different direction with it. But I'll say I was worried, like, when the alert comes off and Cliff just leaves his son standing there by the river as he runs back to the house i'm like mm-hmm. but there could be more cultists out there don't leave your kid alone <laughs> <laughs> right i i i thought so too maybe that there would still be some followers or, or people that would pick up the cause uh in in their name even though they had turned themselves in when the lady at the bookstore had recognized him and oh you moved into old so-and-so's place right yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, no, don't go into town. Just live out out in the country and don't leave your house, you know. Um, but I mean, I think it kind of. Yeah. Well, I think it almost makes sense as to maybe. And I don't know that that's why they moved into the country 
but you know why Cliff might choose to be a little bit more isolated, mm-hmm. you know, versus David and his family living in the city and being a little bit more out there and you know not really closing themselves off. You know, I don't know if if there was awareness around um, a, a group of people that felt this way and that they felt they were in danger. Maybe this is what brought it to light. Um, I don't know. But it, it makes sense why David would, would, would be isolated or why he might choose to isolate himself, or at least while they're out in space. But so, yeah, creepy, creepy and evil. Um, what's your next point? All right. I have a lot of thoughts about David. <laughs> <laughs> um, next one, because you touched on it a little bit in in your thoughts on my previous point, talking about David, you know, and how you felt no sympathy for him at that point when he crossed that line. But I did want to talk about before that line, uh, kind of David's trauma and seeing what he went through, you know, post the, the attack and murder of his family that, you know, we just see him stewing in, what happened because he he can't go back there is he's just trapped up here in space you know uh the only person that he spends any time with now he you know while that person spends most of the time with his family back at home enjoying life Mm -hmm. he's just sitting there alone stewing uh which I did wonder, I was like, why is a beard always a visual sign of depression and giving up? Because beards are cool, damn it. Um, <laughs> I know. Beards are awesome. Let's not use it as a, as a oh, I'm sad and depressed uh, look. Yeah. Right. I agree. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but it, it's, I, I can't imagine just the mental toll that this takes Mm-mm. on David. You know, he's, he's having to sit there watching the funeral of his wife and kids on this little TV screen and can't be there. He could do nothing. You know, it, it never will justify what he does in the end, but you can see how he is falling apart to get to that point. Uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, the only the other person he's with is just with his family and he's not. And you can see he's in a really bad place. Uh, there's the scene there. We get that alert where Cliff comes back and sees him and he's David's just standing in the airlock. And even though he doesn't explicitly say it, yeah, he's he's toying with this idea of well what if I just let myself get sucked into the abyss of space and escape the trauma and horror of my reality right now? What if I just let go of everything? And that's that's scary and that's bad for Cliff. Because like you said, this is a two person mission that needs both of them. And if David's gone, Cliff is not gonna survive on his own up there. And so that's where the story turns with Cliff really trying to reach out and find any answer of how do I, how do I reach him? How do I get to him? How do I bring him back down a little bit? Like, I know he's going through some terrible things, but he needs to be there, not just for himself, but for me too. Like it is, it's not selfish if we're not going to live, if he's falling off this deep end. And that's what triggers a lot of things. But you just even, I think Cliff understands. Because he is on David's side for most of this until things take that certain turn with his wife. But, mm-hmm. you know, we see Cliff gets so antsy waiting for David to return when he's borrowing that link. And it's kind of a clue. It's like you see how antsy Cliff gets whenever he's using it a week, you know, an hour or so every week. And it's like, 
well, that's the absolute hell that David's been living in between the events of, at Helm and before he started borrowing the replica. That was mm-hmm. his 24-7 occurrence, you know, until. Right. So you kind of see Cliff. Uh, so I, them showing Cliff getting really antsy and like pacing back and forth. And like, oh, when is he going to come back? When is he going to come back? I think it's a good sign of like Cliff understanding. Okay, so David's life has been that amplified. And so they have that bond, which makes it even more heartbreaking when, when David really breaks that trust and breaks that bond. Right. Um, well, that actually kind of goes into my, my next point. If, if I just chime in with yeah. what I have to say about that and feel free to, as I feel like I said, this is my biggest point and I don't want to do all the talking. So I want to oh, <laughs> feel good. free to chime in <laughs> because I wonder what a little bit of conversation and therapy could have done <laughs> right. to potentially change the outcome of the events and the ending of this episode. Um, so I'm yeah, curious I wonder to know, if, you know, your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's maybe a small reason why they chose to do the setting in that time period in the 60s is where people didn't talk about trauma people didn't talk about personal issues and relationship things and like well, people weren't as open you know what i mean and they didn't like in general not but like as as much as like with modern times now like people weren't as open about those things and so maybe yeah you know for yeah i thought i thought of that too but i feel like there's a little bit of toxic masculinity from oh, both sure. david and from cliff that still does exist today even mm-hmm. oh, in even sure. the, in the more modern times so like you see where he's coming from and you want to side with cliff but you're also like i don't know if you can stop referring to lana as my wife mine all mine you can't have it's like eh, she's also her own person dude um. <laughs> yes so exactly so i i think that both of them are limited but yeah. in very different ways and and again yeah so the time period that they're in in the 60s you know, it's not a big surprise that that they both have these outlooks in different ways. Um, but it was interesting because like with Cliff, he was shocked when Lana told him that David cried in, yeah. in front of her because she's like, oh, well, he wept like a child. And he's like, in front of you? <laughs> like... <laughs> What man would do that in front of a woman? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it, it's like like that wasn't a normal response yeah. to the loss that he just suffered. Like, and it's like, well, of, why wouldn't he yeah. break down like that? I mean, he's still fresh off of the loss of his family and he's probably feeling very overwhelmed at, at exper- being able to experience um you know, being back on earth. And, and that was another question that I was wondering, because they were saying, oh, well, give him a chance to come, come and get a break and feel the, the uh, air on his face. And I'm like, do they feel, do the replicas feel like whenever he's walking through the forest and kind of touching the, the weeds and things like that, as they're walking on that path, I'm like, can he feel that? Can he feel, you know, the, the air on his face? Did he, does he, do they feel alive? I don't know. But you know, just yeah. curious like about that one. Did it some to some degree, mm-hmm. but then also 
going back to the scene with the cult and stuff where they chop David's like replica arm off and it didn't seem to cause him that much physical pain. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed more upset at just the fact that like, dude, you're destroying my replica. I don't have a backup. Like this is, (laughs) you know, (laughs) this is my only one. Um, Not knowing where that was, that was going to go, of course. But, but yeah, so I I was curious, like, well, when you say that, is it just like a, a, a phrase, you know, let him get, take a break and feel the air on his face, the sun on his face. And, you know, um, so I, I guess it was just a, a phrase, but, um, but like, you know, him having that kind of reaction about David crying, well, that is a problem. Um, and then after David loses his family, you know, Cliff and David, they, they barely speak about it other than just like very surface level. Yeah you know, way they don't go very deep and, and they definitely don't talk about how David feels, you know, Cliff kind of goes up to him and I'm, I'm sorry, man. And he's like, leave me alone. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, dude, don't leave him alone. Don't, don't just leave and go back to earth. I'm like, why aren't you, I don't know. I, I get that he should split his time and be there for his family. I mean, it's, it, he should be there and get to be able to spend time with his family. But I'm like, I think it would have been worth him spending some time with him and, you know, even if he, even if they don't really talk, just being there. So he's not so alone and isolated. Um, So they don't talk about how David is feeling, you know, and I feel like, you know, allowing him use of his link to get some of that fresh air and do this painting, it's only going to go so far when you're as depressed as what David was. I mean, the dude almost took himself out of the airlock. Yeah, You know, um, so the dude is pretty depressed. He's going to need, I think, a little bit more than just that fresh air um, and a little bit of break from the space life. And I feel like that is the moment whenever he, he does lock himself into that airlock and you're and I mean, you know what he's getting ready to do, um, but won't admit that should have been a sign that he really did need that professional help. I mean, where the hell is NASA or whoever? Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't say NASA, but I'm saying that and, and under the assumption that whoever's running this mission from Earth had thought to reach out to David and, and get him some help or some counseling for what he had been through and this isolation that comes after it because he's, you know, he's still alone. Cliff is is, is leaving him and going off with his family, so he's isolated up there alone. Um, even if they... If they couldn't do it from while he's up there in the space station, if they could u- still use Cliff's link and and do therapy that way or talk to him or something to try to avoid what was going to happen, um, you know, and I don't know that therapy alone would have solved all of the problems because I, I do think he and Cliff both still were very limited in their patriarchal ideas mm-hmm. um, and you could kind of see that and how they, they treated people. Um, so I don't know. Um, and then, ta- and then Cliff, you know, I, I said both of them, so it's not just David, but you know, Cliff, he doesn't seem to have a very close relationship. It, it seems with Lana or his son, he treated his son almost like an, uh, like an obedient, you know, I don't know. He he didn't really treat them like people that he loves and cherishes. His son yeah. seemed a little scared of him. You know, uh, Lana didn't feel very appreciated when she was, uh, you know, around Cliff. Um, so I, I think there was, you know, something going on 
you know, with them. I don't, I don't know what, what that exactly was. If it was just because, you know, he was in space and he's in this replica. And like I said, I know he was kind of religious. I don't know if he had just, you know, um, if that affected his character and how he behaved with his wife, but he isolated her, moved her out into the country. She didn't really seem to be, you know, happy to be there. Um, She's having to ask permission to even just have a party, to invite Mm -hmm. people over, to even invite kids over, you know, for Henry. Um, So I think the way that he treated her um, was kind of telling. Um, And then you talked about, you know, David's obsession with Lana, you know, going back to back to David and, and how, he views um people and and his outlook on life you know um it doesn't his his obsession with her i don't think just came from his loss and his need for connection he he seemed to talk to her and almost like she owed him Mm -hmm. you know uh, the affection that he wanted because he's he's the man it was that's what i got out of that Whenever I saw their interaction, and that's what was icky for me, yeah, um, was like she owed it to him. Um, and then the fact that he, you know, he drew her naked without her consent. He tried to force intimacy with her, um, even after she kept telling him no. Um, and like I said, that was kind of where I was starting to like lose my empathy for him a little bit. It started yeah. to kind of pull away a little bit. Um, you know, and as he's like objectifying her, you know, drawing her the way that he did, then when he's confronted by Cliff, he acts like it's no big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he kind of preys on Lana, you know, like, oh, well, you, you want to cheat, right? Like, you want to do this. And she's like, no, no, I don't. And I don't think that she would have. I don't think, you know, that she, she would have cheated on Cliff. Um, I do think that she did want more of a connection with him. Um, so I don't know. What do you What do you think about about those two and how they kind of behaved and perceived the people in their lives? In yeah, episode? no, I I agree that it's a lot of <laughs> their own faults, and not to say that any of that necessitates or makes what happened no. deserved no. or worth you know like a- a- absolutely no. not and but, i don't want to imply that that's definitely yeah. not where i was going with that no blame here at <laughs> <Yeah>. all <laughs> yeah but yeah it's just but to see that ingredients to that outcome definitely were the personalities and kind of toxicity that both of those men did carry again yeah with david being very you know uh like he felt ownership of of Lana once he's like, oh, there's definitely a connection there, and I'm not crazy for seeing it. It's she definitely wants me, and yeah, like I said, I'm the more manlier man, so she should probably give me more credit and me more attention because I stepped in and I'm I, I'm willing to satisfy her needs that her husband won't. So clearly, mm-hmm. she should allow me to do that, and he does kind of feel that that ownership there, uh, which is a big part of his downfall. But then, yeah, we see Cliff kind of has that wedge between him and his wife because he he is that very classic traditional patriarchal figurehead of the family where you know oh can we have this party invite people over well, i don't know we'll see you all, we always know we'll see means no right um yep. <laughs> so and then the way she just has to accept that like oh you're the boss you say whatever and then yeah his relationship with his son is very <clears throat> you know use your manners can i leave the table yes sir no sir and the kid seems like a 
perfect little angel. Like you never see the kid do anything wrong other than when he smudges the painting out of like frustration mm-hmm. because he sees this like tension between, you know, uh, David and Lana, but we still don't really know where he, what, how much he knew what was going on. But yeah, he, he lashes out because that's what kids do. Um, you have to get, they have to have some kind of outlet. And if it's not words, it's going to be through actions. But you know, th- this kid seems like such a great kid, but like all we hear Cliff saying is stuff like, oh, you know, he's a terror. He's got to be set straight, you know? And he like, said, I, I'm like, what? I've, that the kid's kid? barely said know. five words, know. you know, this, this episode. Yeah. Are you sure we're talking about the same Henry? Um, yeah, so I can, I, I agree that, yeah, I see that those, those roles play a part in, in what happens. That they, Like I said, they're ingredients to this, this horrible <laughs> stew of depression in the end, because there's no conversation, because they're both very over-masculine and feel like, oh, I have it under control because I'm the man. And I think there is some kind of commentary made there, for sure. Yeah, I just I think that a lot could have been done if you know because I don't I don't think that either one of them are really evil, right? Like Mm -hmm. you know, and and I and you know, and I don't mean by anything that I said about how you know they they view themselves or how they see the world and the the people around them and the women in their lives or their children, you know, um, that they deserved anything that happened to them or but it's just i i i think it's interesting to see how both of those personalities play a part in how we got to the end yeah. you know and how we got to to there because you know what was it there towards the end when cliff is telling you know david that he he just basically like you can't see lana anymore you know like she's mine you know for always and forever and just almost like she's an object that can be taken away like she's not a person mm-hmm. you know and 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 that really gets to to david in a way where he then retaliates in the way that that he did um yeah uh so <laughs> my note on that was like let's just all get a running start and jump as far over the lines as we possibly can uh because mm-hmm. david fucks up in that moment yeah asking oh can i apologize to her in person i just and then that turning into i want to say goodbye can i say goodbye and it's like okay dude you're still hung up obviously no and that he's entitled to it yeah thing yeah you know his apology was great until then but then cliff just adds to that fire he overreacts by like what you were saying when he's lying to david and telling him oh well lana says that she hates you and hates you being there and your visits were the worst thing ever. And she wants to vomit at the thought of you and these, you know, and then it's that line where he says for all time, she is mine. I was like, that's the final nail in the coffin right there. That's That's because you can see David is kind of brain working like, Oh, we'll see about that. You know? Yeah. That, that was scary. That, that look in his eye after, Mm -hmm. after he said that and walked away and I was like, Oh no, I feel (laughs) <laughs> something bad that that whole conversation and even a conversation they had a little bit before that yes yeah, sets up subtly the ending there a little bit where david's telling cliff that you know you have no idea what i'm going through to have everything taken from me and it's just like there's that subtle kind of not said it's like but 
But if you want to know how that feels, you could. And then when when Cliff says, you know, or well, David says to him, you know, you don't know what you've got. And he says, I know damn well. And he goes, do you? And you just you see those little nods. and You're like, oh, God, on second watch, it's even harder because you're like, well, I know what that means now. In retrospect, I know exactly what he's thinking and saying. Yeah. And even with all of that, I still didn't know. I know there are way more clever people out there that that like. Yep, we knew exactly what was going to happen. I didn't think that was going to happen. I I really thought it was going to be more of that David was going to do something to hurt Cliff or hurt both of them. Really, I I didn't I didn't think that he would that he would do that. I knew something bad obviously was going to happen, but didn't see that coming. That was definitely for me a, a jaw dropper. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I just. I'm thinking, uh, you know, if 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 society at that time, I know it's it's a little different present day. It's it's not as like taboo for, you know, everyone to be more expressive, especially like men, because society doesn't really, I don't think, allow men or give men the space. Um, and you know, during that time, and things have changed for sure. But there's still so many. You know, it's still it's still around, it's still present. But I'm yeah. thinking, you know, a little bit of talking about your feelings, a little bit of therapy, maybe <laughs> a little bit of checking in with with someone is not a bad thing. You right. know, to in in order to prevent anyone from going to such a, a deep dark place. You know, I don't understand why there wasn't some sort of intervention. You know, for David, I don't know if it would have prevented anything that happened, but it could have went a different way. It's it's just like, you know. Um, that desperate need for connection. I can't imagine going through what you've been through. And then on top of that, you're how many thousands and thousands of miles away from other people. And, you know, the one person that you are stuck on this station, space station with, they're gone all the time. Um, and even they don't seem to care too much about how you're feeling or how you're doing. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, definitely a study of like what, you know how connect how connection is so important you know and isolation is not great uh what's your next point um i'll I'll go into that because since i mentioned some of my notes from this point anyway just now i'll (laughs) go with it is yeah just the we've talked about it a lot but see what i've got again like i said we're going everything's going to cross over in a lot of ways so <laughs> i've i've pulled notes from everything but uh yeah david and cliff and their relationship or you know them their their work relationship and then what it becomes but yeah the two co- co-workers with the same job responsibilities living different lives i mean they're both family men with with kids and but we see david living like a very public life in the big city with this like he's kind of a grand figure he's got this nice home and he's very doesn't really worry about he's he's a celeb, like a celebrity figure he people know who he is what's going on and he goes out and about into town meets people and it's fine while cliff yeah is very out in the country with his family sort of isolated keeping to themselves just wants a quiet private life uh <clears throat> But yeah, then we talked about the the replicas and that concept a little bit, which, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a long-term mission, but there's plenty of downtime, so they have this system where they can, like, transmit their consciousness to a replica to live with their families. Uh, it seems like Cliff is the only guy that is trained specifically to go out and work on the shuttle from the outside, mm-hmm. if something is wrong, because it's always his job to do that. 
uh, which is, you know, that gets called back in the uh, twist ending there a little bit. Sure uh, does. But yeah, we see, you know, Cliff getting the phone call on Earth about what happened to David's family. And yeah, he, he reaches out in some way, but he has no idea what to do or say. And again, we talked about he's not the best equipped at that. And they should have had because he even says he talked to somebody that like ran the program. He talked to somebody on Earth and they just said, oh, yeah, he's in shock. Just give him time and space. And that's it. And it's like, um, I don't know. Maybe you need more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, I I doubt he would have given David those extra visits to finish the painting if he knew about the whole situation with Lana and the things that he was saying and doing. Oh, I just uh, want to say, what are you doing? Just but, no. Yeah, <laughs> this is. But then we leave leave Cliff to find the painting or the drawings instead, and uh, then assume the worst out of it and confront both of them in kind of aggressive ways. Uh, which when he confronts David, uh, David's being truthful. At first, I mean, honestly, he's like, yeah, it was fantasy and I got mixed up and I maybe crossed a line. But then Cliff punches him and then he goes ahead and just crosses another line. You know, that's where he starts telling Cliff, well, you have everything that I don't, but you're a failure with it. Even though you have it, you don't know that you have it. Your wife's not getting the attention and love and everything she deserves from you. You don't touch her. You don't, you know, not his place. And that's where Mm -hmm. (laughs) those those powder kegs start going off. You know, things are getting lit. Uh... Not in a good way. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, and then I, I talked about kind of my other notes after that. Is then that that conversation leads to them, you know, you don't know what you've got, you know, I know well, do you? And then it just their conversations just escalate more and more, and you think again, will it? Would it have been the answer? Maybe when David just tries to apologize, I probably still would not have let him go and apologize and say goodbye to Lana in person. But if you would have accepted that, Paul, and she said, I understand that that's what you want, but no. And you should hopefully you understand where I'm coming from, where that's not an idea that I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. But but the way he reacted and the things he said escalated the situation further. I feel like David was maybe at a point where he could have been talked down. Maybe he was too far gone at that point. We'll never really know. But But Cliff's reaction did not help the situation at all. It did not. You didn't need to twist that knife any further. Yeah. Again, not that he deserved that, uh, uh, what happened, but um, probably should have just walked away. Mm-hmm. Give him some time and space. Oh, gosh. Time in space. Time, <laughs> time in space. In space. Yeah. <laughs> time in space. Not a lot of space on that space station. I mean, uh. it... it I was like, gosh, there's, and it looks so ter- terribly boring. I'm like, it seems like they don't even, they they had a few personal effects, it looks like, but it just looked like, I don't know, do they have enough books to read? What do they, maybe that's why they spend all their time on Earth or whatever in, in their yeah. in their downtime when they're not having to actually perform functions to keep the space station yeah. going and keep them on their mission. It's like. They can't get them better food up there because, I mean, that's their oh actual bodies. They have to eat up in the space station to to stay alive. And that what food that? up there literally looked like a big gray turd. So, I mean, they could have, you know, if they got the money to spend on this replica system, is that where all the money went? Like, you can't get them some better rations up some, there? Even some halfway <laughs> decent TV dinners, at least. Right. They got to eat that. Oh, that just looked terrible. Yeah, that was another I was like, oh, yeah, I guess they do have to at least come back often enough to wake up and, and fuel themselves. I, I guess mm-hmm. they can't stay in this stasis for too long they they do need to get up and 
like at least have some kind of nourishment. Yeah, that was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not look, I mean, let's just add to the depression of the situation. Right. Gotta eat that nasty shit. Um, well, my, my next point's mostly just focused on, you know, this, this dark ending, you know, that we got and what made it so tragic was you know as i mentioned before the time that we got to spend with the characters i liked the extra time that we got um outside of a normal you know a one hour or less episode is we got to know cliff we got to know david and part of that was what made this even more tragic um you know you David being like you kind of mentioned like this rock star astronaut, you know, he didn't seem to mind the limelight. He he had a great life and he seemed admirable. Uh, he was charming. He seemed like he loved his family. You know, um, I didn't pick up any other vibes than that. Um, but he became this absolute monster after he suffered that tragedy. So mm-hmm. that definitely added a big aspect to how um, dark and bleak this was. Cliff, who just tried to help him in how he thought he could, uh, I feel like, yep, a lot more probably could have been done talking to him, getting NASA or whomever involved to try to intervene and, and help him get through that situation. But he tried to help like, hey, dude, borrow my link, go, go touch grass, you know, and, and <laughs> try to work through some of some of your grief and what you're going through. So he tried to help him and in helping him he ended up losing everything he had as well just like David did. Mm. Even the cultists who murdered David's fa- family, you know, didn't from what we saw anyway didn't uh inspire any change. Um but I think that you know that what made it so sad was you know, these two guys, you know, it, it's hard work being an astronaut. Not everybody gets to be an astronaut. These guys seem to be really smart and accomplished. Um, and now, now what do they have? They're, they're as dark and empty as, as the space that they're in mm-hmm. or surrounded by, I guess. And now they have this thread of... I mean, like, where do they go? This thread of grief now that that bonds them together. Like, where where the hell do they go now? I mean, I, I'm curious, what did you think was going to happen? Or what did you think what was going to happen when David got, or um, when Cliff got back after seeing what happened to his family, what, what yeah. David had done? Like, you'd expect him to, like, lash out in anger, but yeah, uh... The ending was interesting because you would think they're like, oh, he's just going to come back and <laughs> kill David, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have that understanding. I mean, if, if one of them, if something happens to one of them, the other one's not going to survive up there. But then they're mm-hmm. also both in this same boat of, well, we have nothing to go back to. So do they even finish this mission? We don't see that, you know, how how long is where they're at going to last? Um, but yeah, uh but it is it's very fucked up uh it is but but you almost see the it's it's very dark it's not even humorous but it's like darkly clever i don't mm-hmm. know uh is the way that yeah when when uh cliff walks back in and the way david just kicks the chair out and motions for cliff to sit it was very much a welcome to the club you know it, it was like like now now you get it Mm-hmm. Now you know 
what you had and and you can miss it just like I do. Now you yeah. get to be without it like I do. Man, that was that was poignant, I think. Mm-hmm. Where that, you know, Aaron Paul again, I mean we, we we talked about him in the beginning and his phenomenal acting job, but him coming through that passageway there and, and seeing uh David sitting there and that look, there's just like steaming, you know, between them, this anger and disbelief and just I can't even imagine all the emotions and he just kicks that chair at him like, All right, now now we're in it. Now you know. Mm-hmm was just like, whoa. And I think that that spoke more than had Cliff charged at him to, you know, beat him up or kill him or whatever. Because, yeah, we it was established. They need each other mm-hmm. to in order to survive. So is that going to be what's, what's going to carry them through? So I, I think it was better to leave it where it was, where, where nothing happened and we didn't get to see what happened next. Um, I think that was more impactful. Yeah. In my opinion. But it was it was an interesting twist for sure. Uh I mean, yeah, you see that David fakes the problem on the outside so that Cliff has to go out there, which gives mm-hmm. him long enough to use the link, go back to Cliff's home and do the absolute worst evil thing he could think to do. Uh but you know, the show is leaving you thinking that Cliff is like throughout a lot of the episode, like even whenever you see this like Cliff and David confronting each other about well that's my wife and that's i don't know maybe you didn't but i I did i assume most people had this thought that the twist was going to be or the outcome was going to be that that david was going to kill cliff or do something to cliff maybe leave him when he left him out there outside i thought he was going to just leave him out there indefinitely and like take the link and assume his identity and try to like become cliff and convince lana that he was cliff and like that he had this whole like convoluted plan in his head that way but that's not the direction they went <laughs> again it was subverting mm-hmm. the expectations kind of like you know the cult never appearing again but the lingering fear that leaves over that you know you get to see all these little pieces built he's obsessing over lana and you're expecting him to like take over and assume cliff's identity but no again he can't kill cliff because he will die up in space too so it goes to a different extreme of, you know, literally like the saying of, you know, well, if I can't have them, nobody can, right? Uh, so that's where he just forces Cliff to be in the same place that he is with nobody at home to return to. Now we're back on evil fo- even footing, even ground. So mm-hmm. <laughs> square one, which shows that David really has gone off the deep end. Absolutely. Yeah, he is gone. And maybe they both are at that mm-hmm. point. Who knows? Because we don't really get to see fully um, how the 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 impact it has on Cliff. So, or in the long term, I mean, yeah, and how he copes because he's fresh off of it. Oh, that was that was. I really did not. Yeah, I did not see that coming. I knew something bad. Uh, whenever he was like, "Where's where's my tags?" when they weren't on the tray mm-hmm. and he reached for him in his pocket. And I was just like, oh, what did he, what did he do? Didn't think that they, they got me. Mm-hmm. Um, any other points? Uh, just one other like point, but I think I've talked about most of it was just kind of the, the borrowing of the link. And 
we've talked about it like that. I like that. I almost included the touch grass reference and then I didn't. So I'm glad that you said it because uh, he literally, that was kind of the idea. Uh, but yeah, just to say it was Lana's idea actually that she came up with of letting him borrow the link and letting him get some fresh air, go for a walk, fish, see nature, whatever he needs. And Cliff goes with that idea because, you know, anything to help the situation uh, brings up to David, who's very appreciative of the idea and wants to do it. Something that's set with me that I'm apologizing in advance for bringing this up. Sorry to do this to people. But there's this <laughs> through line throughout the episode of uh, the, the idea that when Lanry says, or Lana says, Henry doesn't need to know. And talking about David using the link. Kind of makes me sick to my stomach thinking about the end because I'm like, oh God, does Henry die at the end of this episode thinking it was at the hands of his father? You know, um, there is the moment when they're in the kitchen where Cliff talks about his painting in front of Henry. So I was like, maybe he's eventually aware of it. Lana doesn't respond though. And then later when David hits Henry and then they're talking about it and Cliff says like, oh, it was just a smack on the head. And it's like, which I do all the time. He goes, Oh, yeah, but he goes, you know, but as far as he knows, as far as Henry knows, it was you that did it to him here. Uh, so I don't know. It's just something that, like, I think about and I'm like, uh, I, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> but it- it's, yeah, it's terrible to think of what that little boy thought did. Because it's curious that they're saying that, well, he doesn't have to know and, and he doesn't know that it's David using Cliff's link. But it's like he he knew something was off, right, about his dad. It's like he almost knew right away whenever he was watching them walk from the barn to the house. Yeah. Um, because I didn't really see, I, I don't recall anyway, seeing such, like, even though they were just walking side by side, there was a level of intimacy there. Right. Between like- the two. <laughs> where you know something's wrong when the kid's going mom and dad are liking each other too much something's off you like know, mom uh, and dad don't behave that way i mean it's it was established that they you know their relationship was not very intimate didn't seem mm-hmm. very close there was distance there so just the casual easy way that they were talking when david um was there um even just in that one of the first scenes as they're walking back, you know, he's kind of watching and then, you know, more and more he's kind of watching. And then when he ruins the painting, I mean, even though he's supposed to be ignorant of the fact that it's David and not his father, he's got to know his dad doesn't paint. Right. Like how the hell, since when like the dad become this artist and how the hell did he get so good so fast? Like, yeah. I mean, there was some clear differences. All those space shuttle painting lessons that are going on up there. Yeah. Oh, son, I've been taking lessons in space. Um, yeah, that's what I've been doing in my spare time. It's a two-person crew, me and David, but there's actually a third person. There's just a painting instructor that has his own room and sits up there. Yeah. I mean, even if he didn't actually know that that's David, not my dad. I feel like there was so much difference in their personalities because David was very, sorry, Cliff was kind of standoffish, didn't seem super connected to his wife and his son and his son and was just a very different kind of family man where David was cultured. uh, He seemed more conversational. You know, Cliff said, oh, he used to be really talkative, but, you know, now not so much. 
Uh, so, you know, as he starts to open up a little bit, you know, there's a very clear difference in their personalities. You know, we talked about how Aaron Paul, you know, kind of had to play these two two parts. Um, so even if he didn't know, oh, that's not my dad, that's David, he he knew enough, I think, to know something was really off and something was not going on. So I don't know um, if if he, when when David went back and and murdered. Lana and and Henry, if if he knew, it's a it's a terrible thought. To, yeah, to think I'm, that I'm thankful it, 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 to 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 Black Mirror and Charlie Brooker for sparing us I'm, those details. <laughs> we so, didn't need to see any of that, and I'm glad we didn't. So thankful. I know I didn't need to see that either. I'm I'm grateful um, that we didn't have to see that or see um, them in the kitchen or anything like that. That that was that yeah. was plenty. I I didn't need any anything more than that to understand what happened. Yeah. It, adds adds to the tragedy you know did i hope lana knew that it wasn't him not that that's any kind of comfort as to what happened to her but you know but yeah to think that henry might have thought that was his dad but mm-hmm. sickening yeah any any other points anything else uh let's see just with that one i was saying you know that at first, the using the link and that trip that he takes seems to be exactly what he needs. But I was like, yeah, but unfortunately, it's Black Mirror. So uh, it's got to go too far. They're going to keep going. <laughs> uh, and we learn he's a talented artist, draws from memory and exquisite detail. So that's what continues on this. Well, he wants to use the, you know, replica on this scheduled basis so he can paint again. And he wants to paint the house as a project and to thank them for giving him that break at first. And they were, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, everything sounds great with that deal. So, of course, it's going to be the beginning of the downfall of everything. Because uh, that's how this show works sometimes. It was such a, just a, a, a nice idea. Mm. And just spiraled. And then a random note on that. The subtitles said Cliff, even when it was David using Cliff's replica. And I was like, well, that's a little confusing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Like he's sitting there painting and talking to Lana, and it was just like in the subtitles, like Cliff says this, and it's like, <laughs> but it, but it, d- does he though? Is it? But, but um, wait, that's uh, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. But yeah, that was my last point. I've got a couple of extra little notes that I, think I just have. Most of them. I just have Easter eggs, um, mm-hmm. which there's only I only have two. So oh, I only found um, one. So oh, okay, oh, you okay, got an extra good. Well. Uh, maybe well no i guess it's two but they're very little not not Mm -hmm. not a whole lot in this episode but yeah go ahead with your notes uh let's see uh david mentions on the spaceship that he only met lana once before all this but Mm -hmm. then already he was talking about her like personality even off just knowing her which is a little hint again that maybe there was an immediate kind of attraction or something there because he's like, oh, yeah, I, I saw her as a butterfly, you know, and so he's wondering if their move out to the country would be hard on her socially. Like, he's asking Cliff stuff about that. And he's like, oh, no, she's fine. Everything's great. She's, you know, got me and she's got Henry and she's got her books and she's happy. And then the first conversation Cliff has with her when he goes back after that is she's wanting to throw this party for the local people's. Oh, we need to meet the neighbors and Henry can find some friends. And like, so we can already see it's like. David really hasn't even met her or spent any time with her yet. And he's already picking up on things that Cliff has just been oblivious to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really kind of sad. And that adds to the tragedy too, of 
you know, the ending of how, you know, just not what happened to these men and how it was tragic for them, but tragic for Cliff and Lana, where they finally, like, he's apologizing, you know, like, oh, wow, you know, I... I have been neglectful, right? Like I haven't been as present as what I should have been. And, you know, thinking about what you need, you know, all these things and apologize to her. And it sounds like maybe if, if what happened didn't happen, could they have then rebuilt and become more connected and strengthen their relationship? So it makes it even more tragic. Yeah. I, I, I literally have a note. I was like, through the conversation, they realized that David was right about one thing, that Lana's lonely and unsatisfied, uh, unsatisfied as a partner in life by Cliff right now. And it could have been a great opening for them rebuilding the relationship, but no, because Black Mirror. So <laughs> I was like, can because we just stop? Black Mirror. <laughs> can we stop the episode after Cliff and Lana hash out the truth and s- truly see each other and then they embrace? I was like, can we just hit stop and just end it there? Yeah. You know, just forget everything that happens after that and pretend it doesn't happen happy ending yay happy ending yay. You know? <laughs> not in the black mirror universe hardly ever <laughs> almost never uh yeah let's see so david loves his french music uh and then let's see because oh yeah the uh choose your own adventure so i had some other little points so <laughs> let's see so cliff and lana was the other one that we've talked about a little bit there uh you know, Henry noticing that tension, something's wrong, lashes out by messing up the painting. David hits him, which they tell to Cliff. Lana tells, which, strangely enough, Cliff is taking David's side in that situation. But then... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they don't tell him about the other stuff. You don't, they don't tell him that part. Uh, and let's see, you talked about Kappa and all this stuff. I didn't know if I wanted to include this, but I, I'd like to disparage young actors too much maybe he'll grow into it or maybe he'll decide it's not his thing because we talked about how the casting of thing was great except for one thing that i'll point it out because it took me out of the show is the little boy playing ricky david's son seemed to be having the most wonderful time playing with this group of psychos about to murder him and his family uh while he's sitting on the couch and like rory colkin's doing his thing and they're all being creepy and this kid's just got this like smile and smirk on his face he's like oh this is fun and i was like okay that's a little weird <laughs> so weird sad but again maybe you can just like chalk it up to he was like four or something and just maybe had no idea what was even going on he's just like who are these people what's happening um let's see and then we yeah we talked about the ending there so yeah that's all the notes Good notes. Well, I will... Do you want me to start with the Easter eggs? I only had two, but you said you had one. Do you just want to go ahead and mention yours, and then I'll talk about the other one? Uh, yeah, the the one that I, I knew about is... Um, which she probably is one of the ones you have. When uh, Kappa and his gang are doing the terrible things to the family there, and then you see them smearing blood on the walls and stuff like that and one of them paints the white bear symbol in blood on the wall mm-hmm. <laughs> ick yeah yes yeah there weren't very many in this episode uh we, we've had a plethora uh in the previous two episodes but a little short mm-hmm. here but that's okay not all of them have have that many um and sometimes not at all the other one that i saw was when they were at the movies, um, they were like right outside the the door of the theater there as uh, 
David was talking to those uh, that little teenage couple mm-hmm. uh, in the background. There was a movie poster that featured Space Fleet was showing oh, in theaters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for anyone that doesn't know or isn't aware, if you're still new to the Black Mirror Universe, Space Fleet is the fictional Star Trek inspired show introduced in season four, episode one, USS Callister. Mm-hmm. Uh, another really great. It's a great episode. Great episode. Outstanding. If y'all haven't seen that one, Jesse Plemons. Highly recommend. Is, yeah. Yeah. Very, very nicely done episode. Okay. That, that's all that I had. Yeah. Just those two. <laughs> Just those two. All right. So I, I, I have some news. Um, I'll try and keep Ooh. it kind of short. There was a Q&A uh, with Charlie Brooker at, B, at the BFI about season six, um, talking a little bit about Beyond the Sea. And he commented to the audience during this key, um, Q&A, he said, I don't know if you can tell, but it was written in lockdown. Hmm. So I, I was like, okay, that, that makes sense. Um, it could inspire the, oh, you're sitting in isolation in the space station with no connection to other people. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said he insisted that he um, tried to avoid making an episode that was too literal or explicitly inspired by the COVID pandemic. He said, um, this is what he says. He says, we just lived through that. One of our other new episodes is set in the present day, and we made a conscious decision to pretend it was set in 2019. We don't ever say that, but we just didn't want to reference the pandemic or show people wearing masks because I was slightly thinking that everybody was slightly fucking sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> he says, this season is quite different in that we have quite a few of our episodes set in the past. And that was a conscious decision to try and shake up what Black Mirror was. Partly because I was aware that there was a danger that the show was becoming, let's look at the technology pages in the paper this week and turn that into a horror story. Mm-hmm. There was a perception that's what it was becoming, and certainly in my head, that was a danger. I like so, that. I, I do too. I do too. Earlier this month, now this comes from To Dumb, which is mm-hmm. like Netflix's um, media outlet. So Josh Hartnett spoke with To Dumb to kind of talk about this twisted ending for this and he theorized that his character's motives were rooted in getting even so josh hartnett said i think he was like let's just even the score and then we can figure out where we go from here we both will have a choice we're both starting in the same spot and i think he thought of that as being the most logical and also the most fair um he also guessed that cliff didn't return to the ship to murder david because that would likely result in his death and failed mission so they're mutually bonded in their destiny until they get back to earth mm-hmm. oof can you imagine yeah um there was an article from the hollywood uh reporter uh with aaron paul so this was this was some fun stuff their first question they said so five and a half years ago when you took your blood feud with jesse Plemons to a whole new level on black mirror's uss callister the one condition you had for your voiceover was that it couldn't rule out a future live action opportunity uh, well, Charlie Brooker and company kept their word. Is that sort of thing pretty rare as far as your experience in the entertainment industry? And Aaron Paul said, yeah, the entertainment industry is an interesting one. But once you get to know Charlie, you know that his word actually has weight to it. He was very excited that I wanted to do USS Callister as a sort of nod to any Breaking Bad fan. It's a little Easter egg, but he's known that I've 
been such a massive fan of Black Mirror since it started airing in the UK, and I definitely made it known that it would be a dream to join the universe that he has created. And so I was happy that we were able to make it happen. Uh, We tried to make it happen last season, but scheduling just didn't work out. And I'm so happy he continued to think of me. Um, So a little bit of background and context for folks is Aaron Paul had a very brief little voice cameo in USS Callister. Mm -hmm. He played the gamer about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. And it was almost like a little mini Breaking Bad reunion with him and Jesse Clemens, even though they didn't share a scene. He wasn't in that scene with his voiceover, but it was still like a little way to kind of get them back together just a little bit. So if you haven't seen USS Calcer again, go watch it and listen for Aaron Paul. Yeah. So a little bit of context there, if that didn't make any sense. Everyone's like, what the hell does that even mean? Mm -hmm. Um uh, they go on. Um, they ask Cliff avoids any and all intimacy with his wife Lana. Is he just not comfortable with a robot laying a finger on her, even if it's him steering it? He says that's part of it, but I feel like he's just got some deep-rooted baggage. Some of the excitement has drifted away, and he's just not comfortable communicating to help this relationship. He's kind of stuck in his ways, and what's so tragic is that everything that happened forced them to have these hard conversations. It awoke him into realizing, oh my God, I've just been such a terrible husband and father. I need to change things. And I feel like he started to go down the right path, but he was just so irked by David and his betrayal. He just couldn't let it go and it caused trauma. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And and if you want to see a little bit more of Aaron Paul, um, he and um, Brian Cranston had a nice little cameo and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. On a recent episode, um, I won't go into anything about what it was about, but um, that was a lot of fun. I got to see a um, part of that. So um, just want to kind of throw that out there as part of a little bit of a, a news news item there. All right. So I am curious to see what our listeners have to say about this episode. I think um, a lot of opinions um, and that it really impacted a lot of folks. So let's let's get started. You want to kick it off for me? All right. This first one comes from Wendy. Says, Brian and I watched this last night. It really was like a standalone movie. Acting was incredible, especially a surprising role for Josh, for Josh Hartnett, and yet he was amazing. The Manson vibes, all the callbacks from the late 60s were excellent. The buildup of the tension was amazing. I love how they can make you feel so gutted without actually showing you anything graphic. I'm just loving this season and your coverage of it. Thanks, Wendy. Rebecca Cantu Davidson says, Wow, this was so good. Two very good-looking guys for some eye candy. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I agree, Rebecca. Um, and amazing acting. Everything was so subtle yet so robust. I feared Josh Hartnett's character would want Aaron Paul's character's life, but I did not see that twist ending. So dark. I love it. Can't wait to hear y'all dissect it. I need to figure out the motive for that twist. Hopefully we help you a little bit there. At least Josh Hartnett helped you there a little bit with that news article <laughs> earlier. <laughs> uh. All right, this next one comes from Karen She. Hey, Karen. Says, ditto to what everybody has said. This episode was an extraordinary short film. The cinematography was amazing. The sci-fi genre asks, what makes us human and what makes our experiences real? This episode showed the range of that answer, from the cult leader's idea of a natural marriage to Cliff being just as distant when he's at home as when he's in outer space. I haven't seen Aaron Paul in much. I know, I know, I have to finish Breaking Bad. (laughs) So his performance really grabbed me. Same with Josh Hartnett. It's great to see him back on our screens. 
David's final actions put him and Cliff in the same head and heart space, yet drove them worlds apart. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Karen. And yes, please, go finish Breaking yeah. Bad. It's so good. So good. And then watch Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don Elizabeth says, this one I really, really liked. In fact, it keeps popping into my head at random times. I'm not sure what that means. I was very pleased to see Aaron Paul. I love science fiction and haven't come across this particular idea before. And it was long. It was like a short movie. I am someone who enjoys books and movies for what they are on the surface. I don't do allegory. So I am interested to hear what you all might say about the hidden meaning in this one. Edit. After I listened to your podcast on Locke Henry, I appreciated that episode more than I did originally. And I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't recognize Podrick. I'm going back tonight <laughs> to take another look. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks yeah. for letting us know um, that, you know, we might have changed um, your perspective on that just a little bit. It's nice cool. to know. Thank you, Don. Yeah. This one from Emily Rouse says, following your own format, I have a few short points. One, I love seeing Josh Hartnett in literally anything. <laughs> Two, I didn't notice a mention of Streamberry this episode, so maybe it won't be a running theme this season. And three, this episode was very, very disturbing. Yes, it yeah. was. Thanks, Emily. Anne-Marie Hellman says, I think this is my favorite episode of Black Mirror ever. It was so devastating. And Josh Hartnett, what a thrill seeing him on screen after all these years. And this last uh, Facebook message here comes from Megan O'Connell. says, I was also so happy to see Josh Hartnett in this one. This was a great episode. So sad, but damn, he was cruel to do what he did. Although you knew something bad was going to happen, but I didn't guess that specific ending. I don't think I anybody really either. did on first. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know how anyone can say, oh, yeah, I knew that that was going to happen. Then you're, you're damn good is all yeah. I can say. <laughs> Obviously, something bad was going to happen, but yeah. can't imagine that. Thank you, Megan. We did get an email this week from our good friend Daphne, always faithful in sending in her emails. She says, Hi, Rima and Paik. Beyond the Sea was incredibly tragic. If Aaron Paul doesn't get an Emmy nomination for Best Actor in a limited series, then it's fucked up. He was brilliant in this episode, as were Josh Hartnett and Kate Mara. This technology had what I think are good intentions by allowing David and Cliff the opportunity to interact with their families during their deployment. Each had their own different dynamic. David, through his replica, seemed closer and more affectionate toward his family than Cliff, who appeared to have an invisible barrier between him and Lana. Unfortunately, this technology also carried with it responsibility and risk. Cliff wanted to help David, but his touching gesture cost him everything. It's even more tragic that David watched his family die and then murdered Cliff's family, knowing that it would devastate him. This episode shook me. Daphne. Yeah. yeah, well said. Very well said and very true. All right. We also got a couple of voicemails. First one we have is from our friend Steve. Let's see what he has to say. Hello, strange indeed. This is Steve, and this is going to be for uh, Black Mirror season six, right? Yeah, Beyond the Sea. What a strange way to torture your children to make them set as you draw their portrait. Okay, this is kind of creepy. No context at all. They're sleeping up there? What are they, clones or robots? This is going to be interesting as this goes out. Or begin, ah, 
goes on. Okay, so these guys have to strap into these chairs, and now they're waking up somewhere else. Looks like a more futuristic place. So these guys are on some kind of floating space station. They only see each other once a week, I guess, or something like that, or interesting. Okay, this suddenly got very interesting. It was being really slow for me, but now this these people have broken into his house. They're calling him the machine man. Uh, ooh, hey, I had to pause it for a second because I just realized that's Josh Hartnett. Ooh, and his hand is still moving. Ooh, oh, so they killed his family. They burned him, apparently. And now the other guy's woken up on the satellite, I guess, and he's going to find him. Ooh, a hippie cult, kind of like very Manson-esque. Hey, this is a long one, over an hour, and... Now there's an airlock issue, and to Josh Hartnett, David is not looking good. Oh, this does not seem like a good plan, because if David is going to use your replica, something not good is going to happen. What a fascinating thing for an actor to do. I know they did it in Face Off, and I wonder if, like, Aaron Paul and Josh Hartnett, like, talked over these scenes where Aaron Paul is being Josh Hartnett's character. So, interesting. Okay, so now Cliff is back in his replica and Josh Hartnett, uh, David, was drawing something. I wonder, I wonder where this is going. Oh, he drew the house. Wow. I mean, I kind of see where it it's could go, but this is Black Mirror, so we'll see. Yep, now he's drawing the wife, and they're talking about him in third person, so the, the Henry must know now that sometimes it's his dad and sometimes it's not, right? Well, that hat does not look good on him. Trying to figure out the time of this because it's really sophisticated science for them to have these replicas, but then they're driving around in old cars. Everything else is old time. I don't know. Oh, now he's dancing with her to that same song with his wife. Mm. Oh, David Cliff, um, you're turning into very much for Predator right now. What did you do to Henry? Okay, so maybe Henry doesn't know. I, I'm not. I don't understand though because, well, he's treating Henry poorly now. Well. Oh, is he going to find the sketchbook? Mm-hmm. He found the sketches. Oh, and some pretty racy sketches, too. I wonder what he's going to think. <laughs> oh, that's not a good one. That's nude. Okay, so he does know <laughs> that it's the da- David in Cliff's body. Okay, because she, she just said, tell your father's home. Oh, that was just a powerful scene between him and his wife. And that last, I'm sorry. Oh, no, David's not going to kill him, is he? When he goes out in the spacesuit? Or is he going to use the link while he's outside? Oh, no. Did he kill... Oh, I I have no words. That was a journey. That was I, quite the journey to go. I on. feel I felt that. Ugh. Yeah, that was dark. Also, I kind of want just a soundbite of that's a that's nude. Um, to me, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great soundbite. I love that. Huh? <laughs> I, I I want that too. <laughs> That had Thanks, me giggling. That was Thank awesome. you, Steve, for that. Thank you so much for the feedback. Yeah, this was a rough one, man. No doubt about it. All right, we got another voice message from our good friend Anwen. I know she's a big fan of the show. Curious to see what she has to say. Hi, Rima and Peg. It's Anwen. Uh, what an episode beyond the sea! Wow, uh, was so well written and so well acted, and I loved the kind of concept of it and the fact that it kept me guessing but I kept being able to kind of give little theories and then they would go differently. It was amazing. Uh, I kind of, I had a lot of questions. My main first question is, why didn't they send the replicas to space? 
and have the real dudes down on earth. That kind of didn't make sense to me. But anyway, apart from all that, did love it. Um, I wondered why Cliff was so distant with his wife when he was in his replica body down on earth. And there wasn't really an explanation for that, I didn't think. Uh, but I also wondered whether he was very jealous of other, like just inherently jealous of other men being near Lana before everything happened with David because he didn't let her have that party and he moved him out, you know, out of town and I wondered whether that was part of it, something strange going on there in their relationship. Obviously the replicas are have some skills, as you could see from the earlier scene with David and his wife, but there was something going on there emotionally, I guess, that he wasn't up for. Um, once everything started happening with him doing the painting and kind of getting to know Lana and all that sort of stuff, at first, when he went back um, and used Cliff's link, I thought that David was going to go and find the killers and um, wreak revenge on them. And then when I saw the drawing of Lana, I thought, oh, he's going to go after the wife. And I actually thought it was going to be a situation where he um, shoved Cliff out of the airlock and went back into Cliff's link and just pretended to be Cliff after she rejected him as David. I thought, oh, he's just going to pretend um, and live Cliff's life. So the brutal ending was not expected to me and was really full on. And and then I realised, well, he can't throw him out the airlock because he needs two of them to fly the ship. But that's going to be another awkward kind of next three years, really, isn't it? You know, like he just kicks the chair out and goes sit down. Oh, my God, <laughs> it was such a chilling ending. Absolutely loved it. Love the series. Love your coverage. And I'm really excited to be looking into the Black Mirror again with you guys. Bye. Thank you, Anne. When we're yeah. happy, you're staring in the Black Mirror with us. Yeah, someone's got to. <laughs> can't do it yeah. alone. Can't be here alone, man. This is a we more can't... than two-person operation. We need we need support. We need backup. Yeah, we need connection. We need need all of that. Thank you all so much for that great feedback. I knew we were gonna after I watched this one. I thought, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get some thoughts on this, mm-hmm. and we certainly did. Um, y'all did not disappoint. So thank you everyone for taking the time, you know, to to write in. Uh, leave your voice messages and emailing us. Um, And we hope that you join us next week for our coverage of season six, episode four of Black Mirror titled Maisie Day. Mm -hmm. Be an interesting one. I haven't watched it yet, uh, but I did see as whenever I finished um, this episode, um, I saw just the, the, like the title card of it and the running time looked pretty short. One yeah. of the shorter ones, I think. We're going from the longest of the season to the shortest of the season. I think okay. it's like 41 minutes or something like that. Oh, it's wow. Pretty quick. But yeah. they, they shove a lot in there. <laughs> Do they? Is it, is it pretty dense? There's, it's, it's interesting. I won't say okay. much, but I'm no, very okay. interested in our conversation on this one next week. I'm oh, boy. interested to see what other people have to say if we get some feedback. I love yeah. it when you say that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait. Should be a good one. I can't wait to watch it. And then, yeah, come back around and have a conversation. So, yeah, hope you all join us. Yeah. So if you would like to write in and leave your thoughts on any of the episodes, especially 
yeah, I feel like we could have some interesting conversation about uh, Maisie Day next week. So you can hit us up on our Facebook page <laughs> or find all your other ways to leave that feedback over at podcastica.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out our other shows like Pick and Daphne's Run for Your Lives, mm-hmm. which y'all got cooking this week. This week, uh, we're doing something a little different. Instead of a movie breakdown, we're having a little uh, top five of our own. We do these every now and then. We've already got so much feedback, so that's been awesome, and we can always use more. We love, love to hear from people. But yeah, we just had our little conversation about the top five uh, movies and TV shows, like moments that scared us as kids that like still sit with us. Oof, so nice. It was, it was a fun conversation. Definitely brought up some interesting like movies and things. Pulled up some uh, some deep seated trauma in movies from my <laughs> childhood. Um, yeah, so it was it was a really fun conversation. And uh, like I said, we got a lot of feedback. I'm excited to to have all of that read out and everything so that episode will be up uh friday on run for your lives so i think it'll be a really fun one that sounds fun oh golly i'll have to i'll have to leave leave some feedback for y'all because i have a lot of traumatic moments (laughs) (laughs) childhood how do i pick only five (laughs) that's awesome yeah so yeah go go check them out and you know, check out all of the other shows. There's always something cooking. There's a lot of great stuff coming up too. So keep checking podcastica.com yeah. for, um, you know, if there's a show out there that you're that you're loving, someone's probably covering it. And if we're not, tell us. Yeah. You know, tell us tell us what you want uh, what, what, uh, the Podcastica folks to cover because, you know, I'm sure someone will if they're able to. Um, so, yeah. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Good coverage of uh, Walking Dead, Dead City going on right now with Ben mm-hmm. leading the helm over there, covering that as new episodes are coming out. So definitely check that out. And then, yeah, there's new stuff on the horizon. Like Rima said, uh, Ahsoka is coming next month. There should be coverage over there. Um, what else? Good Omens is coming back for a season two. Kind of a surprise, a little special awesome. thing. Uh, so there will be a TV Podcast Industries Podcastica collaboration with Derek and everything coming back over and covering that season of that. And I think that is coming up even sooner. I think that's just like, what, like July 20-something. So that just right fast. around the corner. So mm-hmm. yeah, good stuff to look forward to for sure. So uh, check all that out online. Again, podcastica.com. Rate, review, subscribe, follow, whatever. Um, all of your favorite shows that are over there, including us. If you want to haven't done that yet, give us some love. We always appreciate it. Yeah, please and thank you. Always appreciated. All right. For now, that is our show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Pete. And Anne-Marie Hellman is strange indeed. <laughs>